Welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, a.k.a. MFKS Radio on the Airwaves dial at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who are inverted. Or maybe they're not. <laughs> Fucking. Oh man, this is getting started already. The Garbage <laughs> Fire Podcast is all about being unironic- unironically passionate to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that you love. Oh manzies. Alright, well we got a we got a spoiler filled episode for you today. Yeah, this is all spoilers all the time. Yeah, so if you have not watched Tenet, which came out at the end of August, uh don't listen. Don't stop listen now. at all. <laughs> stop. Like just just stop now. Uh you might want to come back right at the end for a Jamie Ben joke. There might be one, I'm not sure. If I can think of an answer to one of the questions we got, I'll do see what I can do. Um, but other than that, it's going to be basically all about Tenet because, uh, I saw it on Monday. Kelsey saw it a couple weeks ago and I texted Kelsey, Kelsey, what the fuck did I just watch? (laughs) Yep. And Kelsey's answer was yes. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I feel like it's a good place to start. Oh, man. See, that's the thing. I don't even know where to start. Okay, I actually, I do know where to start. I can't remember okay. if, I, if I sent this to you or if uh, I just found it. Is it that John David Washington can fucking get it? <laughs> no, but he absolutely can. <laughs> um, we could talk about that for a long time. Uh, no, I did send this to you. So this guy on Twitter, his name's Tom Guerra. He saw the movie on, I'm assuming, August 28th because it was posted the morning of August 29th. And he said, okay, so Tenet is completely insane. It's like a wildly over-the-top parody mashup of every other Christopher Nolan movie. Like, it is literally about a multiverse time travel magician heist crew who must save the world from a quantum physics apocalyptic nuclear annihilation. That they are and then his, his kind next, of sure is happening. Kind and of. And his, his next tweet then is, I can't possibly spoil Tenet for you because nothing I could say in simple human words can even scratch the surface of how insane this movie is. The sheer tenetness of it. It's just more Tenet than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> uh-huh. And I feel like that's a... I, it was really funny because after I watched it, I went back and looked at it and I was like, yeah, that is exactly what it was about. And it really... it. <laughs> It is. It is, but that's not very spoilery either. Like, that's... It's so bizarre. This movie is so fucking bizarre. And <laughs> when... I believe I had texted you. I don't know if... I think it was. Um, when uh, reviews were first starting to come out about it, and people were just... The headlines were like, audiences don't know what they saw. And I was like, yes! <laughs> Fuck me up. Puzzle me. Befuddle me. (laughs) Give me something low stakes to be confused about, please. It's very true. And so here's the thing. We've we've both talked on here before more than than once about, like, we like Nolan movies. Mm -hmm. We're we're fans. Um, And this was, like, I understand, so before we talk about any of the movie, I understand why people don't like his movies. I can 100% appreciate why. Um, Because you have to, you have to go into it knowing that Christopher Nolan thinks he's smarter than you. And you have to be very okay with that. I- In order, in order to just like, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that he is smarter than you, but he thinks that he is. And See, I, I would disagree. I think he thinks he's just, he's trying to 
figure something out. And this is the third movie now (laughs) where he's like, not enough people are talking about time. I'm going to talk about it a different way this time and see if I can figure it out this way. Maybe he's really, maybe what we're going to find out in 15 years is that really what he's been doing is working on a PhD. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And he's trying to basically solve like, you know, quantum mechanics and just figure it out. Well, didn't he have that physicist who helped him on Inception? I thought I read that somewhere. He also he like, it, he looked at the Thorne. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was on this one for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, but I, I, I feel like, and there's nothing wrong with him being smart. Like, that's the thing. I'm, I'm quite okay with him being very smart. Because I f- always feel when I watch, like, big, big, like, tentpole kind of films, right? These, those big studio productions... Mm-hmm. That they're kind of in two ways. They're either, or three, they're either like a Disney something or another. So it's like, it could be good, could be bad, it doesn't really matter, but the casting's all wrong and, you know, whatever. Um, or it's like a Michael Bay movie. Mm-hmm. Where just, where, where it's all fluff. The, where the story doesn't matter, it's just like, yeah. explosion after explosion, and like, usually boobs. Yeah. Or there's something like this that at least makes you think. And I much prefer the ones that make you think to the ones where it's just absolute mindless fluff. Oh, for sure. Because I never feel condescended to watching any of Christopher Nolan's movies, even though, like, they're they're very cerebral. It's just like you just suspend your disbelief and just live in this world for a couple hours. It's fine. But there's something about his films where you... (sighs) I agree you're not being condescended to. He's... I honestly think he's just like, this is me trying to figure out a thing. And, like, what do you think about it? Like, Inception. Essentially, write your own ending. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, Interstellar. What is time? What is... Yeah, what is? (laughs) Question mark. Just what is that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And this one is, like, essentially, (laughs) I would say the, the, the keyword... Or the key phrase for this would would be what's happened happens <laughs> like yes yes so I, and which is strange because it's kind of going like to the futility side of a discussion about time somehow <laughs> it's true it's true but it also it also to me in certain ways anyway kind of represented the like finite nature of what time is yeah because if you look at like Inception and the idea of and this is the thing about his movies as much as they are set in a sci-fi world because they absolutely are it doesn't feel like that they never have felt like that to me no somehow they're extremely grounded yeah inception i mean inception is fucking bad shit crazy if you if you take the plot and distill it down to like three sentences it's insane we're gonna dream inside another dream inside another dream to get a secret from a CEO. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna no, we're gonna dream. Yeah, we're gonna dream inside all these layers of dreams to prove to the CEO that his daddy did in fact love him. Like, <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what it was about. And like, when he, if you if if that was the, I will be very honest with you. If that was the description on like a, a movie that I'd never seen on TV, I would be like, I am absolutely not watching this. You'd be like, fuck off. Interstellar would be like, guy goes through black hole. Like, I don't even know how you would explain that one. But anyway. Guy goes through... And lives to tell about it? Guy goes through black hole, comes back, daughter, grandma. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh boy. And then and then this one, like I, I my, the the question that I had at the end of it was like I think the question he was sort of trying to maybe answer is like do we move through time or does time move around us? Yeah, I think like that was the kind of the big thematic question. Mm -hmm. uh, Which I didn't mind. It's a strange it's a strange conversation about free will. Because oh my god, I guess we have to start at the beginning of this fucking movie. Yeah. Because we can't start at the end. No. Well, I don't know where the end is, but yes, let's go. <laughs> yeah, toads, 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 toads. Um, this one, I I would say the catchphrase is "time is a revolving door." Yes, absolutely. Thank you. I'm very proud of that. Yeah, it's um, good. I was trying to think if I could do this as a film study, and I feel like the answer is 100 percent no. No. <laughs> no, Megan. Can, can Good lord. Because kids would ask you questions and you'd be like, I don't know, right? Can you imagine those poor little 20 dash twos? Just like. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's. Okay, so yeah, time is a revolving door. Let's start there. Okay, so. I. <sighs> Oh man, it's even hard to pick a freaking conversation point to start with. I thought that the opening scene with the Kiev Opera House was fucking incredible. It was really good. I afterwards was like shaking. It was so intense. Like when he was getting tortured, I was like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck is going on? Especially because the sound is just like fucking pounding and you can't hear a thing anyone's saying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. But I, I thought... The thing about Nolan is that, you're right, he's trying to be cer- cerebral. Not trying to be... I don't know. I think he's he's trying not to appeal to the lowest common denominator, which I appreciate. Yeah, he, he's not pandering at all. No. But he's fucking stellar at making an action sequence. Good mm-hmm. lord. Mm-hmm. Like, just seeing when... Um, fucking we need a name for him because i'm not calling him the protagonist jdw there you go (laughs) i was like you'll get there you'll figure something out yeah um when he's like pretending to be part of the um like the anti-terrorism force or whatever the fuck and then they say go and then all of them split off i was like what the fuck what the fuck like it was so The first few minutes of the film were just like mind-boggling, yeah. surprising. It was, and it was, it was what I really like about, and I don't know enough about like, like filmmaking, what actually happens on a set, because uh, all you ever get are like little tiny behind-the-scenes clips from like you know the big sort of blockbuster things. Yeah, um, but like, I imagine. Everything that I've ever read about Christopher Nolan and the way that he works, and like, he's been working on this script and this concept for, like, 20 years. So, like, I feel like everything he has, he very much has a vision, and I'm, I'd be very curious to know, like, how long some of those set pieces took. Because oh, he didn't use sure. a, lot of, a lot of special effects. No. I looked, um, and it was less than a romantic comedy. Only 240. Like, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, um, and you can tell. And it's it's really funny to me because I watch a lot of a lot of movies, um, 
whether it's like for work or just because you know the world is a hellscape and I'm trying to <laughs> stay upbeat. But I watch a lot, of, watch a lot of movies, and even like the only time that you Denver encounter special effects are in like those shitty like Hallmark movies or Lifetime movies or, or things like that. Um, but you can, I can always tell when I'm watching something whether it's practical effects or special effects. As good as special effects are. And as good as CGI You've got a stuff effects is, radar, effects star. You can tell, and it was the same. Like I felt the same with Mad Max Fury Road, right? Mm-hmm. Watching watching that very practical, all those practical set pieces, and that's what I was thinking about this one. Is each of these like transitions between scenes were essentially a set piece? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I was even because, trying to think of that as a discussion point. I was like, okay, should we do this scene by scene? Because there's no other like, way to break know. it down. Yeah. But yeah, so starting in the opera house and, and having, kind of setting things up, but also leaving you with questions. Mm-hmm. Because it does, I mean, it, now having watched it and, you know, thinking back to the beginning, it very much sets things up. Absolutely. But if you don't know the ending, then you're like, I don't, what is happening? And that was how I felt through the whole movie. <laughs> yes. Even at the very end, I was like, What? <laughs> Okay, I have a huge question I need to ask you, and this one's okay. incredibly spoilery. Okay. Do you think Robert Pattinson is the son in the future? Ooh, that's a great question. So after I, when I got home on Monday night, I read everything I possibly could. I stayed up way too late and mm-hmm. read everything I possibly could. That is such a good question. Um, Maybe? I think it is. I think it could be. I think, yeah. Because it, it would make sense, I think, based on what we know exists. Mm-hmm. But I don't really know what exists, so, like, I don't know what to say. I know. Like, <laughs> there's so many illusions. Like, the last two minutes of Neil and JDW, like, being like, oh, well, guess I'm going back to the past, and I'm also going to die there because you saw me die, but you didn't yeah. know it was me. But everything's yeah. cool, bro. We had lots of fun. Yeah. JDW's like, we had fun? He's like, oh yeah, we've known each other forever. Best friends for life. Like, it's I like, know, that's so crazy. And, and so the idea that it's like the beginning of JDW's story. And the end of his, the end yeah. of Neil's story is crazy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely crazy. That's why I'm like, what the fuck? I need, like, a... <laughs> I don't know, eight-part miniseries on what shenanigans they get up to in the meantime? So here's my, this is, yeah, no kidding. So this is what I was thinking about in, I was thinking about Inception, actually, because of course it's a Nolan movie, so Michael Caine is in it. Um, and in Inception, he said in an interview a number of years after the fact, he said that any scene that he is in is reality. Huh. And so I kept that in mind. When I was when I saw him, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna assume this is real. right here. This this part right here is real. <laughs> yes, because, and it was but like, if you, but if you think about all of the, if you think about all of the times that Michael Caine has shown up in a Nolan movie, he has had like, he's just an expo- exposition delivery package. He absolutely is, but but the 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 way that he delivers the exposition is like absolutely integral to yeah 
the journey of that character. Right. And so, um, and then like, so, so I was, I kept that in mind. I was like, okay, I'm going to assume that Michael Caine is like in the, in the now as the now is happening and -hmm. everything else is like branching out of the now. That was kind Mm -hmm. of my, cause you need to, you ultimately need to pick a point. Oh, like a starting point yeah and oddly it's not the start of the movie i guess question mark no maybe it's not neil's starting point no okay this is this is when my (laughs) my (laughs) questions began okay let's go let's hit it so the opera house (laughs) yeah he is caught he He's trying to get, like, some fucking spy who's been made, I think, right? And he gets this weird fucking MacGuffin. I don't know. And then he gets caught by some Russians, a third party. And then he gets tortured for a long time. And then tries to commit suicide with his suicide pill because he's a CIA dude. Yes. Turns out that wasn't real. Yes. The pill was fake, but his team has been killed and the MacGuffin is gone. So now he's like, oh, we're going to have you do... That was a test. Which part was the test? The see- the, the, the pill or yeah. losing the artifact? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Because how could they know that he would even get to the point to need the pill. Right. Or is this fucking future shit? I don't know. I don't know. That really frustrated me. Well, and I think, well, and here's the thing. So, to me, this and in that that tweet that I read out, that it's like a mashup of all of his other ones, it is, because this is where the memento aspect of Nolan's um, body of work comes into play. Mm-hmm. Because the way that it, the way that some of the that this switches with like the inversion, the way yeah. that things switched back and forth felt a lot to me like in Memento once you got kind of past the halfway point of the film. Yes, because what like once you get past the halfway point of the film, um, the story start you you as the viewer you're kind of like okay 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 this makes sense, and and this makes sense and this makes sense and then you start asking well if he can't remember anything how does he know he can't remember anything. Like, yeah, you, know you start I mean? like, to question the reliability of the narrator. And I feel like... I feel like this was kind of the same way, except that this doesn't have the narrator in the same respect. Um, but no. I felt that as we kind of moved through these scenes, um, you kind of were like, how well, how did he know? Like, when they, when they're in the at that airport, in that, in that free port... And yep. they're in the warehouse, and they're going. They go into the room with the glass, and he notices like the bullet holes. Yeah, he's like, "What happened?" And he's like, "Well, this hasn't happened yet." There's and no I'm reason like, he should know that. Yeah, I was like, "How do you know that? What the fuck?" That was one of the times where I said, "What the fuck?" Because one of the benefits of the COVID is that no one's going to the movies, and uh, there was no one there, so I was just like talking out loud. It was great. The only time I talked out loud to Chris was to tell him that I think Neil is Max all grown up. <laughs> that was the only thing I told him. And he was like, whoa. <laughs> so that was one of the things where, like, and so it really was, like, a, it is a mashup of Nolan's movies. Mm-hmm. In so many ways. And that there was very much elements of memento in pieces of it where I was just kind of like, I'm not sure that I get it. 
Oh, for sure. And this, like, that opening scene is why I had some tricky stuff with JDW and his whole, like, characterization throughout. Because Mm -hmm. at first he's, like, he's just, like, he's just a G-man. Like, he's got a mission. He wants to complete the mission. He's doing what he can to do that. But he was willing to die and not like give up secrets for the CIA and yet fucking Elizabeth DeBlicky comes along and he's like no I'll tell you everything don't hurt her don't hurt her and I'm like uh-huh. you you guys have like no real romantic connection whatsoever like why do you care about her so much you met her literally 10 minutes ago well and that's see and this is the thing right if the answer to the question is Neil the son then do you know what I mean like because I had that same thought I I thought it was weird but I also was like they've met before like do you know what I mean and maybe he just doesn't remember that they've met before but but if that's going to be the case your audience needs to know that you know like there's no there's not enough threading of that through the film because throughout the film you think he's just a puppet being controlled by other people in the future in the present they're giving him bad information he's struggling he's trying to get close to Kenneth Branagh he we think maybe Neil is using him too like nobody's really telling the truth so we don't know what to believe, but we also have no idea what he believes. Yes, that is absolutely because we don't know anything about him. We don't even know his name. No. Everybody else has a name, and we don't know his name. Hence, JDW. Yeah. Which is, I think, the same amount of syllables as saying protagonist, but that sucks. <laughs> but JDW works. It works better because then I can put that in our in our thing. We're good. It's all good. Um, so, yeah, so part of the, I think part of the thing that I, that I like about it, though, is that we still have questions. Oh, for sure. Why does this matter? Yes, absolutely. And also, like, what we were both talking about, like, we need repeat viewings. Oh, absolutely. I I would like to watch it again. I'd actually like to just watch it again on a small screen where the sound mixing isn't awful. Or just with, um, with captions. Yeah, just because there were some things that I couldn't understand. Which, again, again, another sort of, like, callback to one of his, uh, to some of his other stuff, where you can't understand the things that Bane says, or what Tom Hardy says in Dunkirk, or, like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, and I like, but I do like that he was, was very obviously very intentional about those things, right? And mm-hmm. I also noticed it wasn't Hans Zimmer who did the score, because um, Zimmer was uh, busy scoring, um dune and so he he wasn't part uh, a participant in this but there were moments through it where there were like threads of some of the other themes from some of those movies mm-hmm. specifically like the the batman trilogy yeah i noticed that too like a and lot I was just of like interesting and i wonder if that i think that's a smart choice for him it was ludwig gorenson to do in terms of like appealing to what Nolan wants like in terms of uh, atmosphere 
Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. there's there's a certain look and a feel and a sound to Nolan's films. Yes. And it hurts. <laughs> it it does. It is it is painful. It is it is painful to to watch one of these movies because like you know as you're listening and whoever his composers have been it doesn't really matter in either in any case you get that emotional punch from mm-hmm. that sound and then it just okay. kind of like makes it more significant somehow Here's my question Okay Were you emotionally moved at any point in this film <clears throat> For myself no, but I was, I, I noticed that with Kat especially, that she was like, in, in certain ways, like the weak link. Yeah. Because as much as she wanted to be able to be sort of dispassionate about certain things, she didn't have it in her. No, and it took her being tortured to be able to do that. Yeah. But also, she's... Like, she's an art dealer, right? Uh-huh. She's not, like, everyone else is a fucking gangster or a spy. So, like, of course. Why are you involving her in this fucking plan? Like, of course she can't do it. Well, the reason that, I know, the reason he's involving her in this plan is because that he's working with her, like, there, yes, anyway, we'll get into that whole, like, question of inversion maybe here in a minute. Um, but I, I found, like, at the ending... Because when she tells him, when she tells him at first that she saw the other woman, like, diving off the boat. Yeah. Like, my first reaction, I was like, oh, that's shitty. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just kind of that she had to, and then when you get to the end and you realize that she's the other woman diving off the boat. And she's jealous of her own future freedom. Yeah, I was just like, cool. And that was another time where I was like, what? <laughs> like, as soon as she got on the boat and, 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 and Max and other cat had, like, gone away. I was like, no, I understood that they were going to be coming back. But it's still, like, even though mm-hmm. I knew that was coming, I was still like, wait, what? <laughs> okay. So there's two of her. Uh, and <laughs> the uh, the other her hasn't seen her yet, but she's seen the one in the boat. Okay. And I was like, alright, well, let's carry on. But also, where does the other her go after? The what other her, her... The other her, we see the <laughs> other her with her son, right? What is back her... at school. What is number, yes, but what is number two's, (laughs) what is her present? Is it the day after she gets shot at the Freeport? Like, what? I don't know. Okay, hang on. I found, I found a thing from Reddit that I'm going to work, work my way out here. Okay. Are we ready? Oh no, is it a visual diagram? Because this isn't going to work over the phone. (laughs) It is, it is a diagram. I'm going to hang a wall. Hang on. Maybe I could text it to you. (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna need this for sure, for sure, for yeah. sure. But the, maybe maybe we'll have to include this, um, in in our post or whatever, just to be like, this is what we're talking about. And I've looked through a bunch of them, and this is the simplest one that I've seen. This is the oh, one that okay. makes that makes the most sense. There are some other ones that are just absolutely fucking batshit crazy, and I'm just like, I don't understand anything. Um, like this other one has, this one has like 13 spots on it. This other one here has, uh, 23, except there's like 22 A, B, and C. And I'm like, nope, nope, that's too complicated. (laughs) It's too complicated for my brain. Okay, this. So, okay. So my understanding (laughs) is 
that the uh, so the opera that's where things begin in that is in film time time. yes in film time that is the beginning and Mm -hmm. then we go we kind of work our way through the other stuff but the way that the actual movie works so now we need to talk about inverted time and explain what that is fucking go hard bro (laughs) good luck because we're gonna start talking about it and i feel like i feel like we need to be mindful that you know we're trying to explain things so basically the premise of the film as near as i can figure it is that jdw's character who is known only as the protagonist he doesn't have a name which i think is really fucking clever like that's very meta and i appreciated it very much mm-hmm. um i thought I, it just made me laugh so it's he he is a cia operative we know that um and the first thing that he notices in this operation in the opera house is that this other masked soldier it looks like this guy's like gun essentially like sucks a bullet out of um someone else yeah and and he's like wait what the fuck is going on uh so they see they they capture this artifact that they're looking for he's he's captured uh by the russians like you said and he's tortured um does the cyanide doesn't work and he learns that his team has been killed the artifact is gone so the mission was a failure and he learns then afterwards that he's now employed by an organization called tenet so he's no longer with the cia and whatever their mission is, which he doesn't know much about, and no one else seems to tell him either. Mm-hmm. Which, again, to me was very much, that was like an interstellar when Michael Caine was like, well, I can tell you more, but you gotta get on the ship. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, Sorry. Like, if you want to know more, you have to say yes, right? And that, to me, was the very the same kind of thing. So he, he meets this scientist, and she's studying bullets and, and other materials with what they're calling inverted entropy, which means that they can move backwards through time. She doesn't know for sure, because of whatever timeline they're in, but that they these bullets were manufactured in the future, and that there's a weapon of some kind that can wipe out the past. But so see, that's, that's, where, that's where I was like, well, how do they know that? Well, I'm assuming, I, my guess is just, and I thought that too, and then I thought about it afterwards, and I think she's just, because the technology doesn't exist in where she's at right now, like she can't figure out where it has where it's come from ultimately, um, so m- that's probably why she thinks that, and and that why else would you need something that could move backwards through time? Like to me, it's just like a it's like a deductive reasoning kind of thing. Okay, I have a fundamental problem with that like argument that you destroy the past because that's a social construct anyway. Like sure. But I, I, th- I think I think what I think the the re- her reasoning is ultimately like if this is a thing that can exist if these bullets can move backwards through time, mm-hmm. which she demonstrates like we see it we see it happen that he fires the gun and the bullet like comes back into the gun like we see mm-hmm. it happen. I think the then sort of the the leap that she's making there is like if you can do that with this why wouldn't you use the technology to do something worse. Is sort right. of the, I think that's where she's going with it. Yeah. So I don't think she necessarily knows for sure, but to me, that's that's not a, an unrealistic leap of logic. What I thought was interesting too is when she, like, they're in front of that, essentially like, rock wall with the detritus of all these bullets in it, 
-hmm. and that's where the inverted bullets are coming from um she's like these are the remnants of a war we haven't fought yet i was like whoa (laughs) that to me was like a huge (laughs) (laughs) that just made me want to like curl up under a blanket for a while and maybe cry so i was just like i don't like this feeling right now (laughs) even just to be like wow i really gotta think about what that means (laughs) yeah Yeah. so just for myself so, (laughs) so then what he does once he's he's met with her he uh figures out that these bullets are coming from an arms dealer in mumbai mm-hmm. and he has a contact in mumbai named neil and he confronts this arms dealer uh he thinks it's the dude but it happens to be the dude's wife which i think is great um mm-hmm. and then she finds out that she also is working for tenant that she's part of the same organization so he figures that he finds that out and hadn't known that before and mm-hmm. she says, "This I got these. I got this from an arms dealer, um, named what's his name? Sador. Sador. Yeah. So and and played by Kenneth Branagh with with a terrible accent. That was like probably mm-hmm. the weakest part of the movie. Um, and and he's the one who's been responsible for inverting the cartridges. Yeah. And so essentially, I think." Out. And what they discuss is that he is, like, recruited and being, like, funded by some people in the future to do all this stuff. Like, they're sending him and planting stuff in the past for him to dig up and use. Uh Because he wants to end the world, question mark? Yes. Maybe? I don't know. So then... He figures out in order to get close to Seder, he has to he has to get away in, and he approaches uh, Seder's wife, Cat, who they're estranged, but they're not divorced because Seder is a manipulative piece of shit. Apparently, he's a monster. Yeah, he's an absolute monster. Yeah. So that part I did not like either. I thought that was unnecessary, but anyway, here we are. Um. And had something to do with a a. a Falsify like a fake Goya drawing. Yeah, she appraised which, it as real, but knew it was fake and sold and then it to sold him. it to him at at the price of what the real one would be. Yes. Yeah, and then he's like, "Well, actually, I knew it was fake, and if you leave me, I'm going to tell everybody you're a fraud and you're going to go to jail, and also yeah. you'll never see your son again." Yeah. So, yikes. Yeah, terrible. Um, so she has to. So he approaches her. As sort of the, his way into um, contact with Seder. So where this art is taken, and this is the part that I thought was really cool, um, mm-hmm. that there's a, a facility inside the airport in Oslo, I think. I think it was in Oslo? Yep. Um, yeah, called Freeport. And essentially it's like a warehouse where all of this stuff can be stored. Before um, it's taxed. Before it's taxed. Or to avoid being taxed as yeah. an import. Which I thought was really interesting. Uh, and I was like, of course, I'm just going to suspend disbelief on this one, too. Um, it's real! Well, I know, but I was just like, sure, whatever. Like, he could have told me that, like, Big Bird lived there, and I would have been like, yeah. Oh, cool, I see. You're like, like, this you know isn't I mean? something I'm willing to ask questions about. Yeah, okay. I was just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like it could be real. Maybe it doesn't. I don't really know. It doesn't matter. What is ha- Bullets are flying backwards. Like, it was just one of those. <laughs> yeah. Um, and <laughs> Not so my biggest they, problem. So the protagonist, he, they, 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 they designed design this plot to steal uh, the Goya. Um, 
from the Freeport in Oslo. And uh, they find the, the turns, what we later learn is the turnstile. Mm-hmm. And these two guys in masks come out, and the one who's inverted attacks the protagonist, and Neil chases after, like, the one who's not inverted. Um, and inversion is like this, yeah, this, so people can be inverted as well, ultimately. And you're just uh, essentially moving backwards relative to what the other people believe time is moving at. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, and so it, it is It is very much about, like, relativity in that respect. Um, so Neil doesn't allow, for whatever reason, that uh, Neil stops protagonists or stops GDW from killing the inverted man, saying, like, the other ones... T- and I thought that was a weird thing when it happened. I knew immediately what it was when it happened. Well, I know, because I was like, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. Well, because um, he took his helmet off, but then didn't show the audience, so... No, I, well, no, I know, but I was, but when I, when I was like, why would he not let, you know what I mean? Why would he not let him? Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. And then it, then it clicked, and I was like, oh, I understand what's going on now. Um, for, like, that moment in time. Yeah, gotcha. And then, so they, what then protagonist learns is that the turnstile is also future technology. And can invert the entropy of, like, people and objects. Mm-hmm. And that the two masked men were the same person. That's what he they sure were, uh, which is fascinating. Um, and then, who are seemingly moving simultaneously through the present? Yes, but are not. Uh, anyway, oh god, I'm so confusing. Uh, and then we're uh, so focusing on way too small stuff. <laughs> well, and then so then he ends up meeting Seder, ends up on Seder's yacht, um, and Cat tries to kill him, but then the protagonist saves him. Oh god. Which, I mean, the so movie would have been over had he. Uh, so fine, whatever. Needed a plot device, um, but not and necessarily. Then, I don't think the movie would have been over then, because no, of things because we of know the, later. That's true. That's true. Um, so basically, what ends up happening after that is because of the drawing, and Seder knows that it happens to know that the drawing is a fake, um, and he ends up torturing his wife, mm-hmm. and that's sort of the linchpin for our protagonists. And Neil to like do some shit that will likely get them killed. Mm-hmm. Like that's that was the that was the linchpin. And so protagonist figures out that if he, he takes her um, through the turnstile to invert her completely, it will neutralize the effects of the shot that she took. Yeah. Um, and then he realizes that he's like, then he has to go back and kind of like undo things while he's inverted and so some of the stuff we saw in a car chase and whatnot like just beforehand we see it from the other perspective and like that the filming of that shit was so cool oh yeah when that was happening it was was just like yes absolutely Uh, and then he he fights his past self um which we find when they go back to freeport so then he realizes like our protagonist is the same person all the way through yeah. And he realizes that he's gone back to Freeport to do the thing again, ultimately, and he's fighting his self in the past. <laughs> to save Cat. To save Cat. But he didn't know that's what was happening. And so watching that fight scene, like, twice was super cool, too. Yeah. Especially they because... They had to film it in both directions. Yeah. And when he's, and like, stuff. thrown backwards, but he's actually running forwards, and you're like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. 
It was absolutely crazy. Um, and so then they learned that these artifacts that have been, that were part of the original CIA mission uh, are part of what's called an, an algorithm, which could invert the entire world. And that's like what he's trying to stop from happening, I guess. Well, my understanding is that Seder wants it to happen. He wants the whole world to be inverted, to uh-huh. like end the world because well we later find out he's dying but also because he how do I say this he believes it'll fix the past like because his whole deal is he grew up on a like closed city in the Soviet Union where they're doing nuclear testing right Mm -hmm. and he lost everything and his life was shit but he was chosen by these people in the future and helped along right Mm -hmm. by planning all this stuff for him so that he could find but god he just wants the world to die because he's gonna die. Is that yeah? It? Like he yeah. That's that's the that's sort of what we learn about him. So he he's just like a megalomaniac. Uh, that like ultimately, and I think I honestly think it has something to do with Cat. Yeah. Well, he, he does, says to her, if point, I, yeah, yeah. He says, "If I can't have you, no one can." And so mm-hmm. this is his way of ensuring that no one can. Oh, I see. Is by is by that that's that was what how I took it anyway. Is by like installing a kill switch, basically. Interesting. So that when he dies, the the world dies. And so the whole idea then is that Cat then Cat and the protagonist and and Neil come up with this plan to invert back to when she thinks he would have actually killed himself, mm-hmm. um, so that she can delay his death. Mm-hmm just to give them time to secure the algorithm and get it out of his hands and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so she does, and then she gets the point. She, she almost executes the plan perfectly and then she can't, mm-hmm. um, because of reasons, because she's, you know, a little bit emotional about it and she couldn't let him think that he had won. And I, I totally understood that. Absolutely. That would have been a very, very difficult thing to do. Uh, and then the last part of the movie, the, they called the temporal pincer was like fucking nuts. It absolutely was. This was the part in the movie where I was just like, I couldn't care less using my brain. I was just sitting there with the widest fucking grin on my face, watching these two groups of people move backwards and forwards simultaneously, and I was like, I have no idea what the fuck is happening, but I've never been happier. (laughs) No, it was so, so what, basically what they were doing that half of uh, the troops had to go forward in time to the blast zone while the other half was inverted, basically mm-hmm. moving away from the blast zone. Um, and it was, and so while that's happening, Kat is in Vietnam, like doing her thing, pretends to be her past self. Right. Um, and then the <laughs> protagonist and one of the commanders, um, who I was like, oh, I know who that guy is. It just was sort of shocked me. I had no idea who was in the movie. Uh, was Aaron Taylor Johnson? I was like, oh yeah, right, that guy. Um, I know you. They so they were the only two that were essentially going to like do the hard part of the mission. Yeah, which was to hopefully get 
The MacGuffin. The shit. Yeah. Uh, and then, so they end up, they end up almost getting it, and of course, like, things go wrong. And they're saved by uh, somebody, one of the inverted troops, who happens to be Neil. Mm-hmm. Which was, like, just absolutely fucking crazy. And then we see the, the next bit from Neil's perspective when he, like, goes to save his friend. Yeah, he sees that there's a tripwire that's going to trap them and prevent it, and so he's trying to do everything he can to make sure it's a success. Yeah, and, that then, was they, and then they end up breaking up the algorithm and, like, taking it away, you know, away in pieces yeah. so that it can't be ever used or whatever. And that's when our protagonist discovers that he's, like... In that it. That he's the one in charge. That <laughs> <laughs> this is all his shit. <laughs> But also, like, God, you are on the level of fucking <laughs> Tom Cruise and making an unnecessarily complicated plan. <laughs> like, <Right>? good lord. <laughs> so, the thing that, that that last bit, like, the battle with, like, the pincer movement thing was absolutely, like, it was crazy. It was delightful. Watching that those buildings, like, put themselves back together in debris, like... Yeah, and, like, fucking missiles unexplode. Oh, it was so cool. So cool. And so, and because so much of that was practical effects, like, that was even cooler. Yeah. Um, Watching them put buildings back together, ultimately. Like, it was super, super, super cool. I really, really enjoyed myself. Uh, And even though at the end of it, I was like, well, that's a thing that happened. (laughs) It was fine. It was very entertaining. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I would definitely see it again. I have so many questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think there are any answers to any of my questions, and I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like... The less I think about it, the more I understand it. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes, I think so. So, basically what I know is that this is what I can figure out is that the stories that we watched on film and this is where like the memento aspect of it comes into play the story that we watched on film from beginning to end was the protagonist going through a story yes and regardless of whether he was traveling through regular time or inverted time is irrelevant Mm -hmm. because his story which is why he's the protagonist went linear through his own timeline. Yeah. And everything else happened around him, either forwards or backwards. Exactly. Um, and I thought that was really cool because some of the other ways that like Nolan has played with time have not been quite so tidy. Yes. Where you have, also... where you have characters, like all of the characters moving the same direction through time at all times, you know? Whereas this right. one, it was just like, this is the person that we are following. Yeah, and don't waste time thinking of following other people, because fucking Seder's moving back and forward through time at will, dude. (laughs) Yeah, literally at will, yes. Yeah. He's in, I think, three different cars during the car scene. Uh Uh-huh. That was, yeah, that was a little bit mind-boggling. Yeah. Would you like to know the moment Chris lost all interest? Yes, I would love to. I was trying to, like, figure out what it was, and I was like, no, I just need to watch this movie. Do you have any guesses now after the fact? 
Well, I did say 11 minutes in. (laughs) (laughs) No. To his credit, it was longer than that. And this is before I had seen it, too. (laughs) So I I need to be clear. I didn't know, because there's no way 11 minutes in that you would have lost the plot by then. Um, No, well, ideally, no. But I had trouble (laughs) talking about the test he apparently went through and passed. Okay, let's hear it. What what did he, what did he, uh, what did he say? As soon as Kat went through the turnstile after she was shot, I could just see his body language deflate. <laughs> really? Interesting. Just like, oh man, now this. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, there were the one point where I was sort of taken out of what I was watching was actually the first time through that we saw the fight. Like, the hand-to-hand combat in, in Freeport. Oh, okay. As, and only because of... Once I saw it again, I was like, oh, no, never mind. I was wrong to think that the first time. Um, because... Because it just looked really disjointed and strange? Yes, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then yeah. when I saw it again, I was like, that's what the fuck is going on. I'm fine now. So yeah. I would like to watch it again with knowing what I know, like, knowing how it's going to play out. And see oh, absolutely! If it, it's as jarring as it was. Uh huh. The because it did time, look really weird. <laughs> it looked super weird. It looked like he was having a seizure. But um, oh shoot, what was I just gonna say? I totally lost it thinking about his fighting seizure. Um. Oh, the moment I gasped, and this is a pretty pathetic place to gasp, but I gasped when he got into the cheese grater fight in the restaurant. Because <laughs> he just looked like a schlub just trying to hit on this art dealer, and then suddenly he's a fucking kung fu master out of yep. nowhere, just beating guys' asses. And I was like, whoa, JDW didn't know you had it in you, bro. I. So that was fun. Yeah, it was I, I was it was good and, and I enjoyed that. But when he picked up that box grater, I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, let's do this!" <laughs> like in my mind, that was something that Jack Reacher would do. Oh, for sure. Let's put a skin garnish on this fucking cordon bleu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> speaking of, did you? Um, did you How know that could this be speaking of? <laughs> speaking of Jack Reacher, did you know that there's going to be a TV series instead of what? Uh, Instead of just movies with Tom Cruise, and I can't remember the act. I'll look it up here in just a second. But the guy who has been cast to play Jack Reacher is like six foot four, and I'm like, yes, I'm in. I want this. Oh my god, this is yeah. totally news to me. Yeah, my dad found out about it like last week, and was like, "Did you hear this?" And I was like, "You never know anything before I do. What's going on?" <laughs> He's like, got a fucking RRS feed for Jack Reacher. <laughs> anyway, back to back to uh, back to Christopher Nolan's world. Um, the thing that I thought was really cool, though, about that fight in the kitchen, uh, which also took me out a little bit because I was like, how come there's always fights in restaurant kitchens? Why is that a thing? Is it just because there's lots of stuff in them and they make lots of noise and it becomes like a big spectacle? Yeah, I think so. Because it's not practical on any side of it. It's no, also it's like so stupid. They're trying to like take... I think the whole point of it strategically is like, we don't want anyone in the restaurant to see, but oh, there's fucking fifty staff back here. It's very yeah. classist, as it I really, think really about is. it. I also very much enjoyed Michael Caine's little like Brooks Brothers isn't gonna cut it. 
<laughs> for sure. So and how his character it. was called Sir Michael. <laughs> He's not even trying anymore. No. Oh, boy. <laughs> he was adorable, though. I loved him. Also, the point. Oh, sorry. Fucking loved Robert Pattinson in this movie. He was He's so good. Such a delightful weirdo. It was so good. Oh, he just makes the weirdest shit, and he's the weirdest guy, and I'm just so proud of him. <laughs> did you read that article about him that where he, like, did all the photos himself, like, in the middle of the pandemic quarantine stuff? Did you ever read that article? I can't remember. I read one where he was like, my life hasn't changed. I never go outside. <laughs> like, the, the, the maybe one that, I read that was, was a different one. I'll look for it to see if I can find it send it to you. It was absolutely fucking bananas. I was just like... My dude, you need to get some fresh air. <laughs> like, you should leave your house, probably. A hundred percent. Take a shower while you're at it. Like, there's something not not right here. Um, well, there's, an, like, an apophical, apo- you know, story. Apocryphal? Yes, about him where he had, like, a stalker on one of his film shoots in, like, Italy or something like that. Yeah. So he <laughs> invited her out for dinner, and she got <laughs> so bored she never stalked him again. <laughs> Like, just, what an absolute boss move. Just like, oh, like, just how to get rid of a stalker? Just be yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I know, I remember when I read that and I was just like, what kind of human being are you? He's just an absolute gem. I really want to see, um, oh my god. God, my fucking brain is not working. The lighthouse. Uh, it is a uh, weird as shit. Yeah, just to see his like weird five minute jack off scene and just like <laughs> what he does with that. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's weird as shit. Um, yeah, so I really liked him in it. I liked Elizabeth Debicki a lot. Love um, her. Adore. F- so glad f- she's playing Diana. Oh my god. <laughs> I know, it's gonna be great. I find what I really like about her, one of the things I really, really like about her, she is, like, she's got that posture. Uh-huh. That, like, there's nothing... Unflappable. Absolutely. But, but, but what I liked about this is that, like, she's not flappable at all. But what I liked about this is that she broke so many times. Mm-hmm. And, like, part of and I think part of the casting of that is because she has that mm-hmm. that very unflappable persona. Um I think that having her break down the moments that she does so powerful. Very very powerful in a way that it wasn't it wouldn't have been with someone else in that role. Mhm. And I also in my head not going to lie at some point in time during the movie, and I don't remember, was somewhere on the Amalfi Coast, I was like, those two are going to fuck at some point in time. It's going to happen. Not necessarily in the movie, but in the movie universe, it's going to happen. Um, and then when he gives her that phone mm-hmm. and says, like, you know, just, like, give me a place, you know, whatever. And when she when he comes then to, uh, at the end, to save her from Priya, um, I was just like, oh, yeah, it's going to happen. Just wait. But also weird, because it's like, hey, Neil, my best friend from the future, I'm fucking your mom. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, it's true. And you probably already know that, question mark? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the question about him, and it was funny, it hadn't hadn't crossed my mind at all. Um, And then when I read 
the stuff like after the fact I was like oh yes I like this theory let's go with it and see that's why I think as interesting as the protagonist was he didn't have the most to lose in any of these scenarios like he was driving the plot forward but people who had the most to lose were obviously the satyr and obviously cat and if mm-hmm. we would have known more neil right mm-hmm. like so i would love to know more about his character and why he was recruited other than like <laughs> well uh you helped me save the future question past and also I see you die, so you kind of have to. <laughs> you kind of have to come on these missions with me because it's already uh-huh. happened. Like, that's really weird. It is really weird. It was very bizarre. and at this, But at the same time, to me, it doesn't matter if Neil is the son. Like, do you know what I mean? At the end of it all, the, the bigger question of that movie is sort of like what how does time work right and like what is it and what can we do to it and what does it do to us yeah for sure and so all of the things that like went around it to me like whether neil is we're less neil, important yeah it, it doesn't actually matter and and that's one of the fascinating things about the the movies that he makes because like very it's, it's very rare with a film that i'm okay with not knowing the ending mm-hmm and just, like, having an ambiguous ending and just... Because, you know, usually when you get, like, an ambiguous ending, like, in a book or something, you just want to throw your book out the window and be like, come on! Yeah, like, I invested fucking four hours into this. Come on. Yeah. And this, it doesn't matter to me with his films if there's that ambiguous ending. So do you think that, the like, in terms of the big picture stuff, like, those small, like, character details are more like frivolities rather than like essential because the weird thing about Nolan's stuff is that it gets a lot of praise people love them they make a ton of money but they're never really nominated for acting very yeah it's very rare um that you get that I think like Heath Ledger won the Oscar yeah for the Joker which was very well deserved um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else. I don't think so. I don't think so. But they always get like the technical. Yeah, which because is because he's got such a uh, such an eye for the technical stuff. Hmm. But interesting how it's not like story or character based. You know what I mean? Hmm. Hmm. But I think that so I had a discussion over Christmas, and this feels like it was 973 years ago. But anyway, it was over Christmas. We were talking about... Wait, um, in which that... timeline? <laughs> I think the real one. Maybe it's inverted. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Fucking feels like it, dude. <laughs> it sure does. Uh, we were talking about movies and, like, you know, good movies from the last, like, ten years or whatever. And the discussion, like, sort of sort of like a decade in review and whatever. It was uh, my friend Shauna. She was uh, going back to Ireland, back to school. And so she, we had a thing at... Uh, uh, at O'Burns and you know so there's a bunch of people and we were chatting and one of our friends we were talking about movies and I can't remember what movie he said was his favorite of the decade and I was just like have you ever watched another movie like come on man and I don't remember what it was and then we got talking about um Mad Max Fury Road mm-hmm. 
and what I thought of it. And I was like, well, I loved it because it was a so different from most other things that you watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, and it was just beautiful to watch. Like that's one of my favorite things about it. And that's what I really, really liked about this one is that he has a vision in what he's creating and everything is exactly part of that vision. There's no Mm -hmm. deviating from it. And I love that sort of, that's the stylistic choices. And so to me, this movie, like I, it, it fits in that category with Fury Road in the way that like, it was an absolute all out assault on my senses. Oh, for sure. And I don't know if I know what the story was about. And I don't know if any of it mattered. Yeah. And I'm very much okay with it not mattering. Yeah, and that's what I was... um, I was chatting with people afterwards. And I was like, the wonderful... Like, again, I don't know what happens. But the wonderful thing about Nolan is that you go into his movies and you aren't going to see anything you've seen before. And you're never going to see it again. Like, everything that he does is unique and yeah it's yeah. mind-blowing every time you watch it well and it was really interesting too when she said the bit about watching the other woman dive off of the boat and then at the end we realized that it's she's watching herself do it mm-hmm. um it reminded me of that bit in dunkirk where um we see when Tom, Tom, I was going to say Tom Brady because I'm thinking about oh, Tom Hardy's no, Tom Hardy's how character. Dare is, you? I know. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I I corrected it before it just came out, so I feel like I feel like I'm I did okay. You're um, in when the clear. He's, when he, when his partner gets shot down, and he and like uh, Tom Hardy's character like circles around and sees him wave, and then he flies off. Yeah. And then when we flip back into like the other viewpoint and we see that instead of him waving, he's like struggling to get out of the cockpit. Oh, that's God, what I that moment that of so her much. that's what that uh, her diving off of the boat and watching herself do it reminded me of. Yeah. Is that for idea sure. that like in, unless you know what you're seeing, you don't really know what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Um and so I kept thinking about that 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 tweet where it's like this is a callback to all of his other stuff and it absolutely is and in a way i was like is this going to be his last movie is he retiring from movies now no now that he's like like done the thing where it's all of the movies that he's ever made no i don't think so he's still got he's still trying to figure out time megan he's got a whole career left well uh, well maybe he's gonna go do his phd now who knows um but yeah i want to see it again i'd like to see it in imax just to watch it on the big screen Mm-hmm. I think that would be super fun. Uh, I really enjoyed going to the movie because there was nobody there. It was very quiet. Uh, it was lovely. Didn't have to worry about social distancing because there was nobody to distance from, which was even better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I'm I I was in. I've been to movies by myself before, like when there's an empty auditorium. Uh, when I lived in Dublin, that happened a lot. There was a theater not far from my house, and I would go like at four o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, gotcha. That would always be their, like, first show of the day, and there'd be nobody there, and it was lovely. Um, But I really, I so I like that sort of experience. It doesn't bother me. Uh, I didn't need to have an auditorium full of people to enjoy that movie at all. No. Uh, yeah, the, honestly, the fact, it would be distracting, I think. I think so, too. And the fact that I had that was able to just be like, what the fuck? Because even though I knew, 
right away that like he was fighting himself in Freeport. It wasn't until they showed the fight again and it was confirmed for me that that's the case. I was like, yes, like, I knew, <laughs> but I just I needed to be I needed it to be confirmed. So yeah, for sure. F- feel secure in my knowledge. <laughs> and just shout to the heavens. <laughs> yes, because there was nobody there to uh, be distracted by it. Uh, and I was also thinking about in that film because I was thinking about film studies and obviously this one's way too complex to do as a film study Um, Mm -hmm. but there are pieces of it that I would love to use yeah talking about different techniques because again he's one of those filmmakers where technique is just as important as everything else yeah absolutely and I really 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 enjoyed watching all of those things play out on screen what I think is really shocking about it is how I think conservative the budget actually was. Uh-huh. Only $200 million. Uh-huh. If you think about Fast 8, yeah. that was $250 million. And I think about $50 million of that budget was cars that they destroyed, but yes, fair point. But way more special effects, uh-huh. right? Oh, absolutely. Like, so I'm just like, he seems... Like, I know everyone is joking, like, what's Nolan going to do next? Well, in this one, he fucking blows up a whole plane. You know, like, there's Mm -hmm. always those japes. But, Mm -hmm. again, like, you're never going to see a repeat of anything you've ever seen. It's not like fucking Spielberg making homages to directors you've never heard of. Like, Nolan is just fucking creating on his own, and it's buck wild, and I appreciate it. Well, and that's the thing that I think that's the point right there is that he's creating on his own. Mm-hmm. Like, even with the Batman trilogy, he had obviously, like, work that inspired it. Yeah, he had but a framework the, he had to fit into. But the vision for the film was all him. Yeah. And the vision for the character and, and the way that it works. And you could tell, like, throughout that trilogy um, how the character evolved and how how the costume evolved to reflect the changes in the character and like all of those l- little subtle things. And if you watch all three of them back to back, which is of course a thing that I've done more than once, um, you know, you really see those differences. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's the complete sort of vision of that story arc. And the same thing with interstellar, like Cooper went through a motherfucking black hole and ended up behind the bookshelves in his daughter's bedroom. Mm-hmm. And, was the ghost and like once you watch it and then you watch it again and you hear all the things that Cooper says to her before he leaves you're like of course he's the fucking ghost like it's right there it's right there for you to pick up but you just until you until you get to the end of it you can't you can't even comprehend what it is he's trying to do and I love it yeah and then that's I think something that's evident in this film like we both said like the with Cat's um, character, like who she feels she is compared to the woman who dives off the boat, mm-hmm. that's all about perspective, right? Like at the end, she's triumphant, but she's also now almost um, alone. Yeah. Right? Like, what? Sure, she has her son, but. She also doesn't have much else, like, guiding her to work against. Do you know what I mean? Like, in terms yeah. of her character, there's no, there's nowhere left to go. The story's over. Yeah. 
And I mean, like, her, it's very clear that, like, her work isn't fulfilling. No. Like, you know, she likes it, I guess, if she's good at it, but, like, there's nothing about it that is worth fighting for. The only thing that is really worth fighting for with her is her son. Yeah, and she did and it, and she got and it. And that's where we see her character break all the time, when she yeah. softens, is mm-hmm. when it's relating to him. How would you even rate this movie, Megan? <sighs> like, on a scale, or...? Yeah, I know. I'm even like, what's the scale? <laughs> like, how do many you... algorithms would I give it? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> how do you quantify <laughs> this film? Well, I like I said, I think this has to sit somewhere alongside Fury Road. Mm-hmm. In the in the the way that like there's a plot line, whereas the the plot line of Fury Road is so simple. Yeah. It's just like we're gonna drive and then we're gonna drive back. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> like that's all it, absolutely it is. is. But in the middle, it was just like an absolute like balls to the wall madness from start to finish. Like it did not let up. Remember, except for that little bit in the salt flats. And yes, then it just absolutely. like then they and then they just turned around and <laughs> did the same fucking like, thing well, over again. Guess we gotta go back. There is no green place. Yeah. And, Fuck, and, and guess we gotta go back and kill everybody. <laughs> and this this movie had the very same kind of trajectory. Mm-hmm. Like it started off very high octane in the opera house and it just kind of like worked its right way through. And mm-hmm. even in moments where there wasn't they weren't like, you know, whatever, trying to get to an arms dealer or whatever, like when he meets with Kat and those kind of things. You can still feel the tension. Oh, for sure, and for sure. And the only time that it kind of settles is when they, like, have to reset to make a plan. And yeah. then it just... Then then everything is inverted and backwards of whatever is happening, and it just, like, the tension just goes again. And so, to me, the, those two movies kind of have to sit somewhere near each other in in that canon, so to speak. Agreed. Was and, Sean fucking Avery one of the soldiers in this movie? Yeah, he was, and I forgot that he'd been cast in it, and then I po- oh. you posted the thing on Instagram, and Amanda was like, how was Sean Avery? And I was like, I didn't even remember that he was in it and didn't notice him, so it's fine. I did, like, he's one of the soldiers in the inverted side, I think? I believe so, and I, I, know, I was like, that guy looks familiar, but I'd forgotten 100% that it was him until... Yeah, and it took me forever, it was really thing. bugging me, and I was like, wait a minute... That's fucking Sean Avery. Yeah. Yeah. I read a th- actually an interview because I was curious with him after the fact. Uh, and he said that he was he was hardly in it. Like he was not in it for very long. He no, like he was he had one on, line. He said he was on set for twenty two days. <laughs> Why? Well, because of, well, not because of him, but because of, like, the parts that he was in, it took them, like, he was, he was basically, he worked for three weeks, basically, to be in, like, 16 seconds of a movie. But there's also, like, he could sit there, do his line, and then, like, when they're fighting, you can't see, like, anybody's faces. No, I know, but, but that's what, anyway, that was in the article that, that, uh, yeah. Interesting. Um, how would I rate this movie? That's a great. <laughs> We're still on that question, Megan. Well, I, we just talked around it for a while because I was like, I don't know how to rate it. Like, am I giving it like 
barrels of popcorn? Am I gonna like? I don't know. I I don't know. I truly don't know. Um, I'm gonna say something that will make you laugh, but we we're not gonna explain it for reasons okay. which you understand. I'm gonna give it four and a half cans of cider out of five. Oh no, Megan! That's where we're going. I liked it a lot because, like you said, it's just different. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to tell guys at work about it, and I was like, just go watch it. I can't even... I was like, and watch it on the big screen. Don't wait till you can get it on your TV. Yeah, it's so not the same. Yeah, and but I liked it enough, and I don't care that I don't understand it. I think that's fair. And I want to watch it again. Totes. Although it's like... It's been an interesting experiment because obviously this is the first like big temple film that's been released yeah back into theaters and it didn't make a billion dollars so they went and they fucking pushed back Wonder Woman to Christmas. I know. Oh, we were so close. We were weeks we were away. So close. So I got we to see the so Wonder close. Woman. I saw the Wonder Woman trailer on the big screen. Uh, oh manzies. That made me very happy when uh, Chris Pine came out and uh, pulled that fanny pack around. I was like, yep, I'm in. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, every fucking preview, I was like, damn, this looks like a good... Like that one with um, Diane Lane and Kevin Costner. Did you see that one? No. Oh, they're like no. a couple in the 50s who's daughter is being abused and whose grandson is being abused and they're trying to like save her from this abusive family and it looks tense as fuck interesting no i didn't see that and then did you see the (laughs) gerard butler trailer i did okay that one also looks extremely fun (laughs) yeah it does it sure does the thing the one i just looked up here the one um the diane lane kevin costner it's called let him go Yes, it looks so fucking good. Oh my god. Um, so here's the thing, though. Hollywood is dumb. I understand. <laughs> like, just in general. Um, wait, how would you rate this movie? Um, like 7 out of 10. Okay. So, the thing about Hollywood is that, like, I get why they say that this, like, experiment failed. Um, but it didn't really, I don't think. Like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, people are still, like, people have lost their jobs and don't have a lot of disposable income and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And there are still people, like, going to see movies. Maybe not as much in North America, but, like, in the rest of the world, people are, like, doing stuff again. And yeah. so the, 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 it, the comment that, like, the experiment sort of failed, it failed in America because... Yeah. Because nothing's open. But also the, like, the film still made money. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't a flop, it wasn't a disaster. No, so over three weeks, ten, I'm just reading a thing from uh, The Atlantic. Over yeah. th- it was published two days ago. Uh, Tenet made more than $207 million dollars globally which is a healthy number given the circumstances but in the u.s it's only made um 30 million dollars since august 31st remember when if a film made 30 million dollars it would just be fucking insane 
Mm-hmm. Like how much money that is. Mm-hmm. You know what else is insane? Let Him Go was filmed in Didsbury, Drumheller, and Fort McLeod. Crazy. A ding, 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 ding. So, so uh, yeah, so the, uh, this article about this Hollywood experiment failing is really stupid. It's making me angry. Um, because they're saying, like, Tenet, uh, Warner Brothers reported that Tenet made uh, $20 million in its Labor Day weekend. Um, and it said it actually only made uh, $9.4 million over the three-day weekend. The rest of it came from early preview screenings and sales in Canada. Well, fuck you, as if we're... Oh, come on. Yeah. As if we're not a part of the equation? Yeah. Like, yeah. good lord. Oh, I'm sorry, we spent more money on your movies and we have a tenth of your population? Yeah, sucks to suck, motherfuckers. <laughs> sucks to suck, indeed. Anyway. Okay, my bladder's just... about to explode, so... <laughs> Is there any last thoughts? <laughs> uh, about this movie? No. Yeah. I'm just gonna go watch it again so that I can understand more. Mm-hmm. I got a couple questions. Okay, hit me with them. Uh, one is, what are some items in the chopped pantry that would make you feel confident with any ingredient in the chopped basket? That's a great question. Oh, man. Basically, as long as I don't have to cook with, like... <sighs> some weird-ass game? Like, corn pops? <laughs> in a main course and shit like that? I'd probably be fine with anything. Like, really and truly. Yeah. I've yeah, I can agree with that. Like, I always thought the top baskets were so stupid. They are. I'm also like not. I don't eat seafood, so I would be right. totally fucked. Um, I feel like I could whip up a good pasta with kind of anything. Red sauce, white sauce. I could do it. Yeah, yeah, like, I don't know. I'm not, I mean, every once in a while they open the baskets and I'm like, I don't understand what you would do with this, but cool. Um, let's figure it out, you know? But whatever, yeah. it's fine. Uh, another question, what would you from two years ago be surprised to know about you now? This is very appropriate. Shit. <laughs> what we've just spent an hour talking about. Uh. Shit, dude, that's. That's crazy. I don't even want to say it on the podcast. <laughs> like, there's a lot of shit in my uh, personal that, life not discussed. I think that that past me would be legitimately surprised at how... Bad things are? Very, well, that as well. But how very okay I am with, like, being alone. Okay. Because... Like I've you had to do so much of it that lately. I'm okay with it, but like yeah. I I've never experienced it in this this kind of volume before, right? And for this length of time, and I think that past me would be actually quite surprised that I haven't um done anything like absolutely insane just yet. That's fair. Um, I would not be surprised about that for myself. <laughs> fair enough. I fair think. Enough. Oh, man, I don't even know. Um, okay, this is a question from uh, someone that we both know who I have to keep anonymous, uh, just because you'll understand when you hear the question. Do I personally you... know this person? Yes. yes. Okay. 
Would you rather fight 200 duck-sized Terry Jones or 200 Terry Jones-sized ducks? Oh my god. The answer is duck-sized Terry Jones because you could just run them over. Yeah, you just kick those motherfuckers as hard as you can. And, like, let's be honest here, those duck-sized Terry Jones would also not move very fast. So, here we are. Um, Yep. I'm going to text you who I think asked that question. Okay. Which new girl character are you? Was just a a question. Yes, you're correct. Um, Okay. Which is is a question that I got asked in a group chat this morning. Which new girl? Because some of my friends are rewatching it again. I'm just Nick Miller. That is uh, absolutely no question to ask. I think I'm so- actually Winston somehow. <laughs> One of my friends was like, you're not quirky enough to be Nick Miller. And I says, no, that's true. I'm not. I don't think anyone is. Um, and I was like, but I don't like change. I don't like taking risks. I'm uncomfortable expressing my emotions. I wear the same clothes every day, and I don't know how to take compliments. And, and also, like, yeah, okay, like you have a genius level intellect that you just hide. And well, on. <laughs> uh, I'm very uncomfortable right now. I do not like this. Um, and the very last thing is the perfect end to the 2019-2020 NHL season. Jamie Ben winning the Stanley Cup in the year when he's not allowed to kiss it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna let you guess right out loud who that question came from. <laughs> I love that. Oh, it made me laugh really hard when I saw it. Um, And on that note, we don't even need to answer that question. Uh, That's all we have for you for this week. Sorry about talking about Tenet for an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, for a lot of people, this is going to be just a big skipper (laughs) Uh, Until you watch the movie and then, you know, listen to what we had to say. And we'd love to know, we would love to know what you thought about it once you do watch it. And I apologize for all the times we went, ah... Shit. But you'll, under- you'll understand. <laughs> it's all good. But if you're listening to this because you've already watched it, you know why we did that. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. Um, that's all we have for this week. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. There's an Instagram. I'm going to post that image that Megan just s- talked about. Okay. There's a Twitter, Garbage Fire Podcast? Garbage Fire yes. Podcast. I don't remember. Just, you'll find us. Um, you can email us if you want. You don't have to. But why would you? No one ever does. The only emails we ever get are Google being like, someone signed in from your LinkedIn account. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Thank you. Thank Um, you, Google. (laughs) And now that, like, my life has settled down a little bit, maybe we will be able to um, record it slightly more regularly. Possibly, maybe. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not going to be able to, like, consume anything for a long time, so... (laughs) Yeah, no. It's It's still in my head. It's all good. Uh, And anyway, that's all we have for this week. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the dumpster.